Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Good morning once again. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 13. I'll turn there myself. <laughs> so I like uh, crowd participation because I'm so used to it with the kids. I get to teach the kids on Sundays and Wednesdays. So how many of you like uh, group sports, uh, professional or, you know, little league or anything like that? Raise your hand if you like group sports like baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, you name it. Cool. Um, how many of you played when you were younger in a group uh, on a team, a little bit of you. Yeah, I grew up playing uh, baseball and basketball mainly. And um, my high school team, I went to a private school, and we had, on our basketball team, we had six guys, so I'd play the entire game and got a lot of stamina that way and running. Um, baseball, it was kind of frustrating there was people on the team who'd been playing all their lives, and then there was people on the team, it was their first time playing it as a freshman in high school. We were like, are you serious? This is your first time touching a baseball? Like, seriously? Um, and I remember games, I would get, I was so emotional in baseball. I would get so frustrated. Throwing a, I, I was a pitcher. I was throwing a great game, and they couldn't even catch a fly ball, a simple fly ball. I'm like, dude, that's let me run out there and go catch it. Like, that's what I want to do, but I couldn't. Um, or even in the infield, like, taking a, a slow ground ball, they're like, whoop. They're like, there goes the game. Thanks. Um, and there was a pitcher who was really good. He could throw a really hard fastball for high school. And it didn't really matter <laughs> when we lost the game. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking to them about spiritual gifts. Um, he lists them. We're, we don't have time to read them all. Um, there's also a list in Romans chapter 12. And as Calvary Chapel, we believe that the gifts are for today, supernatural gifts. Um, but anyways, he gives, he gives a list of the gifts, and then he talks about how they were envious of one another, each other's gifts that the Lord had given them specifically. Um, and then he, he says, he gives this funny illustration, do all of us, how valuable would it be if we all had the same gift? It wouldn't be valuable at all. If we were one giant eyeball, that would be useless. If we were one giant ear, that would be useless. If we were one giant leg, that would be useless. And he says, um, this, the gifts that you think are not as valuable are just as valuable as preaching or miracles or healing or faith. Um, or tongues, and they were all desiring, I want to speak in tongues, I want to speak in tongues. That's what he says, they all want to speak in tongues. But he says there's better gifts than tongues, and I would rather, I would prefer you speak in with prophecy. Um, and then also teach God's word, because it's more profitable for the whole. So, um, in verse 31 of chapter 12, it says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 13. We can read verses 1 and 2 together. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I spared you guys. I was going to bring a pot and just start it banging on it, but I, didn't, I thought it wouldn't be that appropriate. So I spared you guys. Verse uh, 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. That is pretty surprising what he's saying here, at least when you first read it. They had a problem. What was their problem? It was about self. They had a self-problem. Do we have self-problem? Yes, all we all do. We have the flesh. Um, so he says, if I do this, and I, if, I, if I practice these supernatural gifts of God, these abilities of God, but have not love, I am nothing. The important word of this chapter, it's the key word to this chapter, it's what this chapter is all about, is love. And it isn't uh, necessarily a good feeling love, like a Valentine's Day love, they gave me a Valentine's Day card, or chocolates. No, it is agape love. There's four terms for love in the Greek language. Most of you know this, but some of us might not know it, so I'll go through them. Phileo, I'm not, they're, just, they're not in order, I'm just listing them off. Phileo would be to have common interests or strong connections. You have the same hobby, you like certain things, you like certain foods, you really connect with someone. And, and none of, these aren't necessarily bad on their own, but um, this is not necessarily God's love. There's storge, which is typically a family type of love or natural love or thinking someone or something is adorable, right? Like a newborn baby. This baby is precious, adorable. That would be storge. And then you have number three, eros, which is essential or romantic love. And it's not wrong. It's just, it's wrong if it's outside of the right context. There's an entire book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, about romantic love. And it talks about how it's a strong force, really. Really, um, Solomon talks about how love and sexual love is a strong force, and it can either burn you or make you warm. And um, it's talked about in, in this Bible. God, God created it, right? Man and woman in the beginning, he said this is very good in his context, in his, in his marriage bounds. So um, those are well-known to us, well-known to the Greek culture, but they had agape, which would be um, to love without strings attached. Like, I'll give you this money, I'll do something kind for you, but I'm not expecting anything back. I'm doing this because I love you. Um, it's a sacrificial love. Um, I like how one person put it. It says, love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of of its object. I'll read it again. Love is an act of the will. It's a choice. It's a decision accompanied by emotion. Emotion is there. I do not think God is um, emotionless. Not, he's not just out there. He's in here, right? He's with us. But God in his full glory and presence is not like, yeah, I love everyone. Or when Jesus came down to earth, he was like, yeah, I really love you and had no emotion. No, he had a ton of emotion, right? Um, because some people are like, yeah, God doesn't really have emotions. But he does. It's an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. It's wanting to good, do good to others, not to get repaid, not to get a reward, but on the behalf of the other person. It is, to put it simply, putting others first, doing what's best for others, even when it, when it hurts. The 
beautiful, the, one of the greatest examples Jesus gives when they're trying to trap him, and they say, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they said, oh, right, you're a good teacher, good job. And they're like, well, and then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And they say, well, who's my neighbor? And then it's a good Samaritan um, parable. Good Samaritan? Yeah, am I right? Okay, cool. I don't know if my brain was with me. Okay, good Samaritan. And what happens? The priests go by, the temple workers go by, the, the man laying, um, left for dead, beaten, bruised, left for dead, probably bleeding, um, because he's been robbed. And it's the Samaritan, the person that wasn't as important as the Levites and the priest. And what happens? He takes care of the man. He goes ahead and pays for his um, his room, and he heals him. He washes him. Well, he doesn't heal him, but he takes care of him. And to put it simply, he he helped him out with no strings attached. Like when you're done, you're going to pay me back. He even says, "Go ahead and charge me extra for whatever you need to do with this man." And that's a beautiful example of what true love is. It's I'll do for you, even though it hurt me. Sacrificial love. Right? The ultimate example of love is Jesus. Right? Jesus on the cross. We could never give him anything of value except for our heart. Right? That's, what he, that's why he came. That's why he came and died for us. But it was sacrificial love. And that's what the New Testament primarily talks about. When it says the word love, it talks about agape, God's sacrificial love. So just let's make that clear and we can move on. Cool. So if you notice what he says, he says, I speak, if I speak with the tongues of angels or tongues of men and angels, but have not, if love is absent, if it's, I have this awesome ability to speak in tongues um, that are supernatural, but have not love, it's as if I'm hitting a pot, but um, I think of that, but a lot of people say it's um, associated with pagan worship. They would hit metal gongs and boom, boom, when they would pray and do their incense and their religious activities. So is, that, is pagan worship accept, accepted by God, yes or no? No, it's rejected. So if we come with speaking in tongues but have not love, I don't want it, God says, okay? I don't want it. Get away from me. You know, there's a, there's a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. It says, their, their, lips, <laughs> their lips say they want me, but their hearts are far from me. And we don't want to be that way. Even David, when he writes Psalm 51, he says, um, you don't want sacrifices. What you want is a broken and contrite heart, a humble heart. He doesn't want, God doesn't want money, although he asked us to give. He doesn't want us, our service without love motivation is important. Motivation and goal is important to God. Our heart, the nature, the, the place of our heart is important. So though you can do that, but you don't have love, it's worthless. And, nothing, uh, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can re remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And you would think, what about a little bit of something? Like, come on, moving mountains? And moving mountains, not literally mountains, um, impossible situations. 
I have this, or, or healing someone miraculously, you have the power to do that, but I have not love, sorry, it's worthless. But if you do have love, it's great, it's valuable. Um, and, and I do want to make that point too, that all, all that he's going to list here is good, but what, minus love. There's this little card, I lost it, um, it's one of my son's devotional cards, and it really, it struck me, it says, smart it has this little kid, and uh, it's animated, and he has a graduation cap, and he has all these books stacked up. And it says, smart minus um, love equals nothing, right? And you could just do that equation with anything. You know, um, you, ha- you have a special ability, or you're a good singer, or, or what have you, or you volunteer at Sunday school. Those are great, but without love, it equals nothing. And uh, that really struck me. Um, smart minus love equals nothing. It doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge you have. I love this quote by Warren Wiersbe. He says, it, it, I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm probably not remembering it right. But he said, something like this. You, you really only know the Bible to the, to the degree that you can express God's word. If, does that make sense? You might have all this Bible knowledge, but if you're not living it out, you really don't know a lot. You really don't know God, and that's problematic, right? That's what the Pharisees were. Jesus was after them time and time again. Yeah, you know a lot, and they, they were on the same page with Jesus on a lot of things, but they didn't have love, and he, he calls them, you whitewashed tombs, you, you dead person, that's intense, don't you think, from Jesus? He is full of love, but he was also full of truth. John 1, he came in grace and in truth to this earth. And um, I really need to hear this message. I really need to apply this message. And I think we all have room. There's, <laughs> none of us is yet per- perfected. And he even says that here at the end of this chapter. But um, to understand all mysteries, he said that he came to explain mysteries in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. But if he didn't have love, not worth anything. Um, I know a ton of people. Know a lot. You probably know them too. I know a lot, the Bi- a lot of the Bible. But do their lives display God's love? That's important. And it's important in your house, in your wherever you work, and especially in church. Jesus said, this is the one mark that will define, that will set Christians apart. And I think we fail miserably at this as a church collectively, universally. The one mark of a Christian, the ultimate mark, is God's love. He says, the world will know you are my disciples, my followers, by your love for one another. And this is the thing. We're helpless, we're hopeless without Jesus flowing in and through us. It's impossible to produce this kind of love. If you were here last time I taught, John chapter 15. I'm going to turn there because it's, it's just awesome. 15 verses 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
matter how hard you try, no matter how good you try to be, no matter how, you, how much you want to love someone else or you have that desire, you can't do it on your own. And uh, I've proven that over and over. I think we all have tried to, in our own strength, oh, I think I could do it. <laughs> but we can't. We fail miserably. We're empty. We're completely empty apart from God. That's why he says, abide in me. It's like a canal. You open up. You just let it flow through you. You can't create it on your own, right? So if you try to muster, like, oh, I'm really trying to not yell right now. I'm really trying to say something kind, not to be bitter, to forgive, to let go. Not on your own, not on your own strength. God, it, it comes down to, I love this, learned this, and it, it just popped in my head last night, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. There's only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And we, we have those moment-by-moment moment choices every day. Wow, my wife just said something very rude, or vice versa. Or that person did something very harmful to me, hurt me. There's only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to crucify myself. Or I'm going to let my flesh have it at this person. And one will be pretty, one will be ugly. One will be glorifying to God, one will be not pleasing to God. And, um, yeah, let's move on. So, you could, you could understand all that, the, that there is to the Bible, but if you don't display, if you don't have love, you're nothing. It's, it's worth nothing. Those are pretty intense words, at least in my opinion. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Body to be burned? Martyrdom? You drain every single last penny from your savings and all your money and give it to someone else? That's intense. Obviously, he's, he's speaking in exaggerations here. But remember, Jesus asked the, the young ruler to give up all his money. Remember that? And give it to the poor. He didn't. I was his idol, obviously. But um, he says it here. Though I give all my goods to feed the poor. That's pretty impressive. Doesn't it look? Doesn't it seem that way? If, if, Alvin, if Alvin told me, yeah, I gave up my house, my cars, and everything for my bank account to feed all the, the people I know need help, but he just went on bragging, yeah, everyone, I'm just using an example, everyone, look at how awesome I am. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Remember that? Don't go around wanting praise. Look at me, everyone, how great I am. I'm so spiritual. I'm so godly. You lost, you lost it. <laughs> so, it's not wrong, it's good. Jesus, God, all throughout the Bible calls us to give to the poor. He calls us to, um, he calls the, the disciples, us, to lay down our lives, even if it comes down to physically lay down our lives. But without love, if it's just to bring honor and praise to an individual person, if it's not the, for the benefit of others, equals nothing. That is 
pretty radical, at least in my opinion. So we can move to verse 4. This is now is going to be the description or the qualities of this agape love, this God love. Love suffers long. How are you doing with that one? Love suffers long. That's, that's a good question to ask you. This is a great place to reflect, to go, how am I doing, Jesus? What do I need to change? How can, I need your help in this. I need your help on all of this. Love suffers long. I like how it doesn't say love is patient here, even though it is. It says it suffers long. And um, this has been awesome for me, um, just for my heart. And is kind. Love is kind. Have you been kind recently? Good question to ask yourself. And I just want to make this point. On this earth, we can never fulfill all of these, okay? We can never live up completely to the standard. But we can grow. We can progress. We're moving forward. We're being transformed into Christ's image. And, and Jesus is all of these things. You can answer his name. Jesus is kind. Jesus is long-suffering. Jesus um, bears all things, believes all things, hope all things. He is our perfect example of love. So... Have you been kind recently in actions, in words, friends, neighbors, enemies? Jesus said this in the, um, I believe it's the Sermon on the Mount. He says, it's one thing to love your friends. Even the tax collectors do that. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You, you pay for lunch, I'll pay for lunch next time. You give me a dollar, I'll give you a dollar, right? That's easy, easy. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. You, you take care of me, I'll take care of you. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's love is displaying mercy, kindness, forgiveness, goodness to your enemies. That's hard, isn't it? <laughs> People have hurt you. He says, love them. And then he says, then you will show that you're actually a son of our Heavenly Father. He said um, in that same section that God gives rain and bread and food, good things to the unjust and the just alike. Why? Because he's good. Because this love isn't, isn't based upon how good the person is behaving, what they've done for you. It's, it's you giving good to others. And... Um, We need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that. And we can't do it on our own. We can't love our enemies. No way. We can't love people who have hurt us. We can't forgive people who have hurt us on our own. But saying, God, cleanse my heart. Give me forgiveness that only you can give. It's supernatural. This love is supernatural. And it is that, that decision. Wow, I really hate this person right now for what they did, what they said how they've treated me, how they acted towards me. But imagine, this is another example. Um, it's when Jesus was at um, Simon the tax, no, Simon the Pharisee's house, 
And the woman comes in, and she's crying and wiping his feet and kissing his feet. It's kind of interesting and awkward. But um, he says, Simon says, if you knew what kind of woman this was, um, you probably wouldn't let her touch you. Something like that. Could be misquoting that, but probably am. But he says, if you knew who this person was, you, you probably wouldn't be, want to be around them. And Jesus says, what does he say? He says, Simon, and he, he tells him all these other things, but there's a, a key part in that. He says, he who has been forgiven little loves little, but he who, who has been forgiven a lot loves a lot. And the, the point of it isn't, you know, like numbers, like a scoreboard. It's you understanding what God has given to you. Does that make sense? It isn't necessarily like, oh yeah, that person's a worse sinner than I am. No, it's how God can love sinners. And, and, and if you understand that, then you can love. If you can understand that God loves you, God can forgive you, then you can give that to other people. And uh, like I said, we need God's help for that. So, it's uh, kind. And then it says, love does not envy. We've been envious of someone else. Someone else's life, someone else's toys, house, the gifts they have. That person can sing and I can't sing at all. <laughs> that person can teach. I wish I could teach. I wish I could be up there. No, God knows what he's doing. And it's, it's about contentment. It's about your state of your heart in relationship to God. Um, I like this, this point that David Guzik said. He says, is envy a small sin? Envy murdered Abel. Envy enslaved Joseph. Envy put Jesus on the cross. And then Matthew 27, 18 says this. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Envy is serious. There's no small sin. Yeah, I'm a little jealous, but, you know, I'm not as bad as those other people, what they're doing. No, just a, it's just a little gossip. It's just a few unkind words. Who doesn't say unkind words? Oh, God takes it seriously. He warns us, don't, don't go down this route. Don't be envious. Um... Be content what God has given you individually, personally. So, he says, um, love does not parade itself. Everyone look at how great I am. It's not puffed up, a puffed up um, head, arrogant. It's not fun to be around someone who's arrogant. I know everything and you know nothing. I'm right and you're wrong. It's just not enjoyable. Um, don't be that way, he says. <laughs> Love is not that way. If you read um, Philippians 2, it's a great portion to read with, with this to parallel it. It talks about how Jesus humbled himself, right? Continually while he was on earth, he humbled himself to the, to, to the point of death. Um, so that's, it's not okay to be arrogant. Can you be confident? Sure. But arrogant, you think everyone else is dumb or you're the only right person in the world. Um, just with the wrong attitude. So, um, don't be that way. Five, does not behave rudely. Had trouble with that one? We don't want to be rude. It's not godly. It's not like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Does not seek its own. Once again, it's, it's not, I want everything for me. Me, me, me. What does this have to do about me? What am I going to get from this when I do this for them? That's not... Uh, Agape love is. God's love is. 
Then he says, um, it's not provoked or um, aroused to anger, like how Moses was aroused to anger by the Israelites when he struck the rock. <laughs> These stiff-necked people. Boom! You ever had that in your life? These stiff-necked kids, the stiff-necked wife, the stiff-necked husband. You probably don't say that. Don't you? you probably don't say that. Not those words, but. You ever been aroused to anger? You ever lost it? You ever snapped? God can help you. God can help you. I wholeheartedly, 1,000% believe it. I, I, share, I, I chose this section because I was not doing so hot. I was not doing so good. I think I was in a place of disqualification. But I wasn't living up to this. Um, past few months, and God sat me down. You know, there's, a, there's an awesome scripture. It's in Hebrews. It's, I think it's in 11. He says, God disciplines. He chastens those whom he loves. He turns us over, and he gives us some wax. We need it. I needed it. And he's like, you know, you haven't been very kind lately, Frankie. And I love, at least for me, I love how uh, God is so kind to me. And uh, for me not to give it to others is not okay. <laughs> Same for you. And uh, we need course corrections a lot of <laughs> throughout our lives. You are not in the right path. You are doing wrong. You are not in the right place. It's crazy, though, that we can run to the Father, get forgiveness, and go back and do it again. No, you can run to the Father, get forgiveness, and get freedom. Am I perfect? No, obviously not. I'm still here. If I wasn't here, then I'd be perfect. But I'm still here. Um, I, I really needed this, this message and the whole idea that, because there's, there's still, you know, every single day we, we face we, have, we face the flesh, obviously, but we, we face circumstances where like, wow, I really want to respond in the flesh right now. That really rubbed me the wrong way. You have that in your life? <laughs> Every day? <laughs> where everything just goes wrong. I want to be right now. But it, it comes down to stop. <laughs> Stopping yourself. Well, it's actually God, but what are you going to do? Are you going to give this to me, Frankie? Put your name in there. Are you going to give this to me, or are you going you're gonna to just run with your flesh? I like this, um, this verse in John 10.10. 10. When I was growing up, my youth pastors and everyone would always quote this. Um, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life that abundantly. These are words from Jesus' mouth, John chapter 10. I'm like, cool. Jesus is going to give us a lot of cool things, good things. No, that's not what he's talking about. Um, I, think, I, think, I think we can live an empty Christian life, and what I mean by that is barely producing a little bit of fruit. Um, because we're choosing to stay in the flesh. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to forgive that person. 
No, I'm not gonna not gonna let go of that. Or they deserve to be treated rudely. You know what they said to me? Serves them right. That's that's not a fruit, fruitful Christian life. But you can have an abundant life. You can have abundant life of fruit, a full life through allowing God to work in you and through you. To allow God to flow through you. It's not you're not creating anything. You're just allowing Him to say yes, Lord, yes, I'll do this or I'll do that. I agree to you. I'll go with your word says rather than what my flesh says. And I think that's really what abundant life is about. Is it's not necessarily not necessarily having a bunch of good things happen to us, but it's us walking in the Spirit, us walking with God, experiencing God. Yeah, things may be tragic, but you can still have an abundant life because you're experiencing God more fully than, than, than you were when you weren't trusting him. Does that make sense? And uh, I, I really love it. Things may be hard. Things may be ugly. Things may be difficult. But I can still ha- experience God. And I can ex- still experience. I think this really is the key to the Bible. Because Paul says, rejoice always. And you're like, come on, Paul. That isn't even, that's not even fair. Like, you know what I'm going through? Although he's writing it from prison. He's writing it in, in misery. Physical misery. But he says, rejoice always. And he doesn't say it once. He says like four times in that, that book, that epistle. I think you can rejoice always when you know that God loves you. That there's this awesome scripture in um, Songs of Solomon. It says, many waters could not quench this love. It's talking about man and woman. But how much greater don't, do you think God's love is? Isn't it far greater than a man can love a woman passionately? Yes, absolutely. He's God. He's infinite in love. He's abounding in mercy. And we, when we know, when we, it's not just here, but we live it out, that God truly loves us, that he is for us, even though things don't look like they're that good. It's more than just right here. Because we know that. Pharisees knew, oh yeah, God's love. And they had it. They had, they had Psalms. They had, you know, they had Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I think towards you. I think that's the, the scripture. Or they had Psalm 103, that God is abounding in mercy, that he, he's steadfast in love, right? There's all these psalms that your mercy endures forever, your love endures forever. They knew all of this, but they didn't live it at all. So we can know about it, but are we living it? Are we trust? This is, this is, so love, we got love is key, but but humble faith, humble faith, okay, is the proper way to relate to God on anything, anything and everything. You got me? Anything and everything. Humble faith. Humility, faith, faith, trusting. Humble, I have nothing. <laughs> you have everything, I have nothing. Humble faith is the key to the Christian life. Put simply. This whole chapter that's how you do it. Kind of skip to the end, but that's how, you, that's how you love, the way God loves. Humbly trusting in him. Give it to me. I need it. God, pour out your love on me. Pour out your love in me, through me. Use me. You're saying, I can't do this on my own, and I'm trusting you. Someone just says something really bad to me. 
I'm going to trust you right now, Jesus. <laughs> but this just this hard thing just happened. I'm going to trust you right now, Jesus. That is the only way to relate to God. Humble faith. Remember when there was two men praying, the, the Pharisees? Oh, God, I'm thankful that I'm not like those sinners, tax collectors, not like those prostitutes and drug dealers and drug users and alcoholics and adulterers. I'm so glad I'm not like them. I'm really good. Have a good day. And the man that would not look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, have mercy on me. The man that went away forgiven was the man that was humble. When we pray, <laughs> we share the gospel, when we love our families, when we love our enemies, we humbly trust in God for provision. So, I love, end of verse 5, it says, thinks no evil. Thinks no evil doesn't devise or plan evil, but it also means keeps no record of wrongs. Have you been keeping score lately? I was. When you let it go, when you let that scoreboard go to zero, you're free. You're free. It's beautiful. That's what this love is about, it's freedom. When you're like, my wife hasn't done this, or they did that, or my friend hasn't done this, or they haven't done that. I remember that. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep the track of that. You know, they have five points. I only have one, so I'm winning. I'm doing good right now. And what, this is, this is the hundredth time I've told you. That's keeping record. That's keeping track. I told you already. That's keeping track. Don't you think? This is, uh, this chapter, neither, the entire Bible does not give license to abuse relationships in any way, shape, or form. So let's get that straight. But um, it does, you know, Peter asked Jesus, should I just forgive seven times, Jesus? Give me an A plus for this answer. <laughs> no, 70 times seven. It's a lot of times. Right? Imagine if God treated us that way. Yeah, you have 495 sins you can do, and then after that, you're in big trouble. We wouldn't last one day. <laughs> remember, remember if, if, you, if you can remember back to when you're first engaged to be married, how things were like, oh, yeah, nothing's going to come between us. Uh, I see nothing wrong with her. Actually, we've never had a fight before. Someone told me that recently. They're dating, and I'm like, just wait. <laughs> we've, we're good. We've never had a fight before. Just wait. <laughs> you're human. You're, you're fleshly. You gotta, cru you gotta crucify that, or else it's gonna take control. So, um, but you did. You did. It's like a relatable situation where I don't really see it. They're perfect. Their breath smells good. Um, they look good all the time. They're nice all the time. Yeah, and they don't live with you. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't keep records of wrong. No, it was pure. It was good. It wasn't, oh, yeah, I remember what they said to me. And if you probably are that way at the beginning, you need some serious help. But anyways, 
I love how God doesn't keep the records of our wrongs. He can, he could, but he doesn't, right? I was just reading in Psalm, I think it's 63 or 53, somewhere around there, that God, he collects the tears that we cry in a bottle. Well, he says this of David. That's how, that's how detailed God is, obviously. And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, I know the amount of hairs on your head. Could be a lot, could be a little, but he knows how many hairs are on your head. That's encouraging. That's not discouraging. But if it was in this context of our sins, we'd be in deep trouble. Love this verse. It's in Psalm 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his child, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. God forgives. Are you not forgiven? Or the better question to ask is, are you forgiven? Others. Am I forgiving others? We're almost to this. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I'm so glad something bad, they got a flat tire. I'm so glad their roof is coming down. I'm so glad that person got what was coming to them. That's not love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I'm glad when they find the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Bears all things to protect, to cover, to shield others. Not, look at what Awanda did. Hey, everyone, did you know what Awanda did? I'm going to tell you. No, we know what she's done, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to go there. We're going to protect her. We're going to love her. We're going to treat her with kindness. Not, ooh, I just got some good information on this person. You want to hear about it? No. It bears, it shields, it protects, it guards other people from all sorts of things. Believes all things. Believing the best for someone, the best outcome for someone. Hopes all things. Expecting good things to come and endures all things. And maybe someone needs to hear that today. Just simply that. You need to endure. You need to endure whatever you're going through. On your own? No. Thankfully not on your own. <laughs> give up in an instant if we are on our own. Love never fails. I love that. I love that. Because it should have failed on me and you. God is holy, right? And we, he could have said, yeah, you didn't quite meet the standards by like the span of eternity. That's how we measure it. Yeah, you don't quite meet the standards. Uh, I am truly, truly thankful that love, God's love for us never fails. And then we're called to not let our love fail for others. No matter what's going on, what things look like, what life brings us. Will everything come out the way we want? No. No. Everything turn out happy? 
Probably not. <laughs> In the end, though, it will. God says, you know, Paul writes this, all things work together for the good of those who are called and called according to his purpose. I messed that up, but you get the point. You probably heard it before. It's not, do we have this life, then that life. It's, we have one life. Things that happen to us, it will. Do you believe that? There goes humble faith again. Do you believe that God will work all things together for good from the beginning of your life to the end of your life to the end of eternity, quote unquote? God will. He is a just judge. He will bring justice for us. That's why a lot of times the New Testament says, don't revenge yourself, 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 don't revenge yourself. Yeah, it's, it does seem like it's important to God. He said, I'll take care of it. Probably not in the timing you want. <laughs> oh, this life, most of it is not in the timing we want, right? I want this done. No, Jesus. <laughs> of the lamp. No. Do this for me. No. Nope. <laughs> I got to work this in you. You got you to some, some, we got to send you really hard right now. <laughs> So that way we can be a blessing to God and blessing to others. But wherever there are prophecies, they, were fa they will fail. Wherever there are tongues, they will cease. Where, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mere dimly. We don't see clearly at all is what he's saying. But then, clearly, face to face, you will physically, spiritually, every, completely see Jesus as you see your neighbor next to you. And all the rights and benefits of that. Because the Bible tells us we have not gotten all the benefits that are given to us. We can't have them until we go to heaven. It's like, ooh, that's cool. I'm excited. He says, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known, as perfectly as we can. We won't have God's brain, but we know as best as we can, perfectly, to what we could hold. <laughs> so, um, verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, and love. Um, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these three is love. And like I said, we're helpless and hopeless. We're empty. We are jars of clay. That's what um, Romans tells us. We're empty vessels, and we need to be filled up with God. God is the source of life, of righteousness, light, and love. Obviously, the source of all things good. And we need him. Like I said, this is the grand mark. This is the, the ultimate mark. Yeah, we need truth. We need truth. We need it. Like I said, Jesus came with grace and truth. That's what John, the beloved, says. He came full of grace and truth. And he gave grace upon grace. We need truth. But 
the world will know we are followers of God by our love for one another. And um, the worship team can come up. I, I do want to pray. And I, I want to pray, and there's um, Lloyd and Dallas. If you want prayer, if you're like, you know what? I haven't been doing so good, and I really need some prayer. Get some prayer. We can pray for you. And um, know this. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to check all these things off, and then, then God will love me. No, God loves us. He, it says, God loved us first so that we can love him and love other people. So we talked a lot about how we should love others, but read your Bible and you'll find out how much God loves you. God has, it says in First John 3.16, not John 3.16, but it also says it there. It says, God has demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for us on our behalf. And that is love to the ultimate degree, sacrificing on the behalf for the betterment of other people. And we are called to live lives like that. Will we lay down our lives? Maybe. But it's a daily laying down of your life, right? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take me across daily. And then you could be my followers. And I'm like, oh, that's so hard, Jesus. <laughs> my son, you might have heard me say this before. I think I've said it before. He's like, this is so hard. And it's like picking up a piece of trash or whatever. I'm like, dude, you can do this. But we can't do it, but God can do it through us. God can give us this love. And like you said, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to get prayer, no matter how old you are, where you're at. If you really need that, or find a friend you trust, you can pray with. It's a good idea. Allow God to search your heart, show you any way that is not of him, and allow him to cleanse you, forgive you. And maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Forgive them. And just whatever God wants to do in your life, we all are in different stages, places of life. What does God want to do in your life? And we, want to, we do want to make room for God. Sometimes we get so, I want to control my life. I'm going to control how everything goes. What do you want to do, God? It's a fantastic question. And those who are loving already, those who say, I, I think I'm doing pretty good, I'm loving. Keep loving. <laughs> keep growing in love. And Thessalonians says, keep growing, getting bigger, more fruit. We want to be abounding in fruit, abounding in this love. So you can uh, lead us on out. And like I said, if you want to pray, pray with us up here. More than happy to. So go for it, uh, Ralph. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www thespringscalvarychapel.org Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.